0: Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Well, the New York Mets went into Atlanta and they won a series against the Braves. This was a massive victory when it comes to their standings in the National League. Geese on the show today in the first segment. Going to talk about that game. Chris Bassett was great. The Mets hit three home runs, and the Bats really did come alive for seven runs altogether. We're going to go through that. Then in the second segment, I want to talk about the importance of this series and just what this race is going to be like with these two teams going head-to-head in the Mets and the Braves. Then we'll close out the show today previewing what lies ahead as the Mets have their final series before the All-Star break, a four-game set in Chicago against the Cubs. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FicklesteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Where I actually just wrote the Mets trade deadline outlook. Now, we're going to be talking about that on the show as well, but if you want to check that out at just baseball, you can see my thoughts on what the Mets need at the deadline and who they could potentially target to fill those needs. On the show tomorrow, I'm going to talk about the prospects that we could see moved at the deadline, what type of assets do the Mets have, and then next week I'll get into more of the overall outlook of what they should be targeting. But that is for another day. Let's talk about the big story, which is that the Mets just beat the Braves in a series in Atlanta. All of this talk about the big, bad Braves. You know what the Mets just did? They said, hey, we're still here, okay? And it starts with the starting pitching. Max Scherzer set the tone in Game 1, went out and shoved, dominated, Game 2, David Peterson made a mistake at the end of his start, but overall was great. And then Chris Bassett in this one goes 6 innings, 5 hits allowed, 2 walks, 6 strikeouts, only 1 run allowed. Matt Olson, the one brave that really showed up in this series, hit a home run against Bassett. But overall, 6 innings pitched, just that 1 run allowed, has his ERA down to 3.79 on the year. But it's all about the offense in this game. Eduardo Escobar hit his 10th home run of the season. A while back, I said, hey, if he gets the 22 home runs, I think that was when he hit his seventh, I said, hey, we get 15 more home runs from Eduardo Escobar from the Mets, pretty thrilled. So he's starting to heat up a little bit when it comes to the long ball. That's his, again, 10th home run of the season, gave the Mets a lead in the second. Then you had Francisco Lindor hit a three-run shot in the third. Lindor in this series, which of course was a massive series, went five for 14, a triple home run, four RBIs. Uh, just was amazing. You look at what he's done this year, and yeah, you say 750 OPS, you know, a little bit better than league average. It's not like he's this incredible offensive force this year, but last year, the guy had 20 home runs and 63 RBIs. This year, he already has 16 home runs and 64 RBIs, and when you really boil it down and you talk about run production, you can still make the argument that Lindor has been the Mets' second most productive player when it comes to putting runs on the scoreboard. Now, Jeff McNeil has been a better hitter. Starling Marte probably been a better hitter. If we dive deep into the numbers, not that I have him in front of me, maybe Brandon Nimmo has had a better offensive season. But if you really look at what matters, this guy's doing it for the Mets. And, I mean, he's on pace for a 29 home run season, 116 RBIs. One of the things I've said constantly when evaluating Lindor, it's, You know, this is a gold glove shortstop. You know, that's the type of defense he gives you. And that's huge for your ball club who can hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 on any given year. And that's what he's on pace to do this year. His 15 home runs are second among NL shortstops. His 64 RBIs, the most among MLB shortstops. Now, with that, the Mets had that 4-0 lead. You felt really confident at that point. Mark Canna homered in the sixth. Uh, That gave the Mets a 5-0 lead. Uh, Louis Guillaume doubled in a run in the seventh. There was a lot of talk before the game. I can't believe Giorme is batting cleanup for this Mets team, kind of showing the state of the offense that they were struggling so much. And just the fact that when you don't have McNeil in the lineup, you don't have Stony Marte, suddenly here's Guillaume, the soft hitting slap hitter as a cleanup guy. Well, guess what? He slapped one down the line, got an RBI, doubled. The Mets scored another run as Jesse Sanchez balked in one And that is how they got to their seven runs in this game. But every single hitter in the starting lineup got on base. And overall, they did exactly what you've been wanting them to do lately. Hit the home run ball. Get yourself a cushion. And boy, I I hate to go right back to the Lindor homer. But that one felt so good. To have that big lead against the Braves, considering how this series has went, where it always felt like these two teams were a run or two apart from each other, to have a 4 nothing lead that turned into a 5 nothing lead, you felt so confident. And then you were just wondering, all right, is Edwin Diaz going to have to get into this game? You, you know that he would have pitched in, in four games in five days had they gone to him here. Um, you got a four-game series against the Cubs. Great to give him two days off ahead of that series because you don't know what's going to happen out there. You want to have your closer ready to go to save a couple potentially, um, assuming the Mets can't just handle business. And beat up on that bad Cubs team. But we'll talk about that in the final segment. When it comes to the other relievers that got the job done, Drew Smith did give up another home run. That's been a problem for him. But he gave the Mets two innings of relief and he got five strikeouts in those two innings. And Tommy Hunter was able to get the job done in the ninth. Allowed a home run, but hey, had a big lead to work with. And again, that allowed the Mets to stay away from their closer. Altogether, just a fantastic series. This is what the Mets have done all year. They won the first game, they lose the second game of a three game series, and they win the final game. And here is a a little bit of a shout out to the old host of Locked On Braves. Nothing against Jake Mastroioli, the current host. He does a great job, but it's hard for me to kind of go at Jake. You know, he's a really nice guy and, um, you know, well mannered. It's just not someone that I I go out of my way and say, hey, I kind of hate you because you're a Braves fan. Dylan Short. He is that guy for me. He is the cocky, loud, brash Braves fan. And we've been going at it for years now. Um, previously on crossover episodes when he still hosted Locked on Braves. And now on Twitter a little bit. And, and here is the passive-aggressive BS statement that he had after this series. He goes, hey, I'll give the Mets credit. I thought for sure we'd been watching them cry after losing the division lead yesterday. So for them, this was definitely a big series. Basically brushing it off, hey, this is the Braves series to win. That is the exact fan that is starting to rub me the wrong way. And I want to talk about him and the Braves fan base and what this series meant for the Mets in just a minute. But first, whether you're ready to pop the question or if you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. There you can build the engagement ring of her dreams. Blue Nile has simple online tools to let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as the setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind so you can celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry by going to Blue Nile where they have jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from Bluenow.com and Locked On Mets listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement, so all you have to do is use the code LOCKED ON. Again, that's code LOCKED ON. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace by going to Bluenow.com today. So after that series, the New York Mets now once again hold a two and a half game lead over the Braves in this division. As long as they go into Chicago here and split this upcoming series, get two of those games, you're pretty confident that no matter what happens, or you will know, even if the Braves sweep their four game set against the Nationals, the Mets will have a division lead going into the break. If the Mets really handle business and take three or four or four or four, and who knows what happens in Washington, you never know. Nationals could surprise us. The Mets are in prime position to have a lead and probably even a couple game lead as you head into this all-star break. The Mets desperately need some time to reset, I think. And, you know, obviously with Jacob DeGrom continuing his rehab, you look at the other side of the break, the potential to have Jeff McNeil back in the lineup who could be there um, as soon as this weekend in Chicago. Sterling Marte could be back as well. But then you also can get DeGrom in the fold the rotation. That will potentially push one of their guys into the bullpen or maybe the Mets go with the six-man rotation. Regardless, on the other side of the break, the Mets are going to be a better team than they were in this series. And then on the other side of the trade deadline, when the Mets play five games against the Braves early on in August at City Field, they're definitely going to have a better roster to put forth. You also then have a four-game series not far after that in Atlanta. And as I've talked about, that stretch there where it's nine games out of 15 where the Mets will go head to head with the Braves is going to decide the division. But you get a, a fan like Dylan Short who, who wants to just continue to ride on his high horse and almighty because they yeah, have the big bad Braves win every single year. I can't wait until we get to a point where this Mets franchise can start to really stick it to the Braves. And I'm not saying the Braves are going to be bad. They're a well-run team. I'm not going to disrespect them the way they like to disrespect the Mets. I'm not doing that. But what I will say is the lazy argument of Mets are gonna Mets and it's always going to collapse cuz they're the Mets. Why don't you have some facts behind your argument? So I'll give you a couple here if you want like the Mets side of it. Here's a fact. The Atlanta Braves, as great as Max Freed is, they don't have a single pitcher as good as Max Scherzer. And you know what else they don't have? A pitcher as good as Jacob deGrom. So the Mets have the two best pitchers, and if you're going into any series where the Mets can stack up Scherzer and deGrom, and then even Bassett, who we saw today, did a great job against that Braves lineup, you feel pretty confident, and you go deeper down the rotation. As much as Charlie Morton has come back to, to earth a little bit this year, and then he ended up going on a hot streak, Whatever version of Charlie Morton you're getting, I don't think he stacks up to the top three in the Mets rotation, and really, what we saw today is the exact reason why Morton has had such an uneven year, because he can hang some pitches, and that's what we saw, like, as much as you gotta credit Escobar and Canna and Lindor for hitting their home runs, all those pitches were hung. Now, credit to Mark Canna in particular, because he had a really good at-bat before hitting his home run, as did Lindor, and Escobar, you know, had a... Uh, You know, a great job to to pull that one out. But the point is, I look at that Braves rotation, and to me, as good as they can be, I still think the Mets have such an edge there, and that's what matters when you play these series. The reason why the Mets just won that series, because they had a better starting rotation than the Atlanta Braves. And this is, I believe, the worst the Mets are going to look for the remainder of the season against that Braves team. So when you add in, who knows, a Josh Bell, At the trade deadline. Whether it's Mark Vientos coming up. Whether it is making a trade and Let's just say you get a David Robertson. And a Wilson Contreras for the Cubs. Now you got a new catcher. A new reliever. Maybe they go out. And they reunite with old friend Michael Fulmer. And bring him in as a late inning reliever. He's got a sub 2 ERA this year. Whatever it is. The Mets are going to make moves at the deadline. And I look at the Braves right now. And yeah. They can make moves as well. But. What exactly are they going to do? Like, what position do they have that's a real upgrade from what they're currently at? And this is a credit to them because they have a deep team, but outside of maybe getting a second baseman in there, I think what we just saw is pretty much the best they're going to be. Maybe their bullpen gets a little bit better. They get Jansen back. Maybe they make some trades, but the Mets just beat the best that the Braves have to offer um, as far as the roster is concerned. Now, they're going to play better, I'm sure, in some of these subsequent series, but There's no reason to think the Mets can't continue to hold on to this division. And what they just did, that sends a message. It sends a message that this Mets team's legit. They're not going to back down to anybody. And they're not scared of the Atlanta Braves. They went out. They took game one because Max Scherzer was amazing. And they took game three on the strength of their bats. And then, of course, still getting the quality pitching performance by Bassett in the middle of it all. So I think this is such a confidence boost for this Mets team. You now head out to Chicago, and this is a pivotal series because the last thing you want is to take your foot off the gas right before the finish line, and suddenly you drop 3 of 4 to a Cubs team that's terrible, and the Braves sweep the Nationals, and everything you just work for goes away. So this is a really important final you know, little series here. you got to handle business, but everything is lined up for the Mets to carry at least a two-game lead into the All-Star break, and then on the other side of it, I still think the Mets' best baseball is ahead of them. And it certainly will be again. Can't mention this enough. Jacob DeGrom will make a rehab start on Friday. He's getting close. He's in Syracuse now. Maybe one more rehab start after that. I'm not quite sure if the top of my head has a minor league schedule. You know, scratches out as far as the All-Star break. If they are still playing. I don't exactly know. Um, but the point is... Whether he has a rehab start against another team or they throw a bunch of hitters from Syracuse um, at the Gram, whatever it is, he's going to start on Friday. you got Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, so maybe next Wednesday uh, he has another type of a rehab start. And then you're looking at the following weekend uh, against the San Diego Padres as a potential return. That's where this Mets team suddenly gets very, very scary for the Atlanta Braves. As much as those fans... Want to puff their chest and say they're not worried about the Mets and Mets are going to Mets. Just wait until they have to face Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom in a series and see how cocky and confident they remain. But this weekend, as I already mentioned, very important. So I'm going to preview what lads ahead against the Chicago Cubs in just a minute. First, though, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news as Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports waging information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, golf, and baseball. Make sure you're on the Pete Alonzo Home Run Derby bet. You know he's going to win, folks. Put some money on it, and you will be very happy with the result. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet online, where the game starts. <laughs> Looking at the Chicago Cubs this season, they are 34-53. and They're 4-7 in July. That is before playing later on tonight against the Orioles to close out that series. Not a good baseball team. Now, their lineup has some pop in. It's a pretty decent lineup altogether. Uh, it's not a bunch of names that will jump out to you, but Wilson Contreras has an 8.62 OPS. Ian Happ, 8.24 OPS. Christopher Morel, a really solid rookie, 815 OPS, another solid rookie, and Seiya Suzuki, of course, the international star with an 804 OPS, and you have Patrick Will, Wisdom, excuse me, with a 780 OPS and 17 home runs. They are 13th in baseball and team OPS and 12th in runs scored, so they can score runs. Um, in the past 15 days, in particular, they're a top 10 offense, but. You look at the net result of their season, you look at their record and everything else, and this is not a team you should be scared of. This is a team the Mets should roll over. Now, it's Carlos Carrasco versus Keegan Thompson in game one. You look at the ERAs, and the Cubs do have an edge here. Carrasco at 455, Thompson at 304. Um, we've seen at times, you know, Cookie can get hit a little bit hard, and it's a smaller ballpark in Chicago, so um, not the best matchup for him, but at the same time, we've seen other you know outings where Carrasco goes out and he's able to really dominate. To me, prime opportunity to get your 10th win of the season heading into the break. Um, and, and for Thompson, you know he's a solid pitcher. Last time out, he, he really did well against the Dodgers. Eight strikeouts, did not allow a run in five and two thirds. So it's not an easy matchup for the Mets by any stretch, but I'm not going to say the Mets can't farewell against any of these guys we're going to talk about this weekend, but the real game that everyone should be tuning in and tuning in and tuning in on, uh, is Talon Walker versus Marcus Stroman on Friday. That's going to be awesome. And these two guys were really close friends. I'm sure they're going to relish the opportunity to go against each other this year for Walker. It has been a return to what he was in the first half last season where he was an all-star, a two, six, three ERA for Marcus Stroman. Yikes. Not good. Not good at all. Now, he did deal with an injury. Hasn't had a completely fluid season. But boy, has he been bad. And he's been bad at home. Believe that his ERA at home is over nine. Not really great to pitch in Chicago. Particularly without the same team defense he enjoyed behind him last year. Not that Francisco Lindor was the sole reason that Stroman had one of the best years of his career. But he certainly helped a little bit. Um, I think this is going to be a fun one, though. You know, Marcus Stroman... I'm not going to knock him. I know there is kind of a tendency when a player leaves, hey, let's all pile on him, and, and now everyone hates him. When Strowman was a met, he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, fans really enjoyed him at the time, although there was kind of a split on you either hated or you loved Marcus Strowman. and now there's some people that used to love him that are just piling into the hate him category. I think it's going to be fun to watch him pitch again against this Mets team. You know he's going to be amped for it, uh, so that's going to be Uh, A really fun and interesting matchup. I like the Mets' odds, though, in that one. Now, it only gets better on Saturday. Max Scherzer versus Drew Smiley, a 2-1-5 ERA for Scherzer, 4-4-3 for Smiley, soft-tossing lefty who's not having the best year. I'll be in attendance. I get to watch a Max Scherzer start in person with my dad, my sister, and my brother-in-law. Cannot wait for that game. Absolutely thrilled about it. I'm heading out for All-Star Week. My sister lives in a suburb outside of Chicago. So I'm going to be out there for the next, I don't know, nine days or something. i leave it on Friday. And I'm going to enjoy my All-Star break out there with some family. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But that game is going to be awesome. I I cannot wait for it. Um, That's the one that you're circling right now. You're like, okay, that looks like a win, right? So we definitely go into the right game. I will also be there on Sunday with just my dad. We're going to a David Peterson start not quite as exciting as Max Scherzer, but still going to be fun to see him pitch. He's been so good this year. Uh, one last start before the break to kind of put a stamp on what's been a, a really great run for him. I talked about it on, was it yesterday's show, right? Um, about the slider usage and how his slider has really helped transform him. And he's been a much better strikeout pitcher this year. I uh, look at that that Cubs lineup and there are some righties in it. Uh, But he's fared pretty good against righties this year. So I think David Peterson should be able to be successful. He'll be going up against Adrian Sampson, who's making his fifth turn in the rotation for the Cubs. Kind of a new addition for them there. A 3-3-3 ERA on this season. So a little bit of an unknown commodity the Mets will be facing off in that last game. But the mission's simple here. Take three of four. Win one more series. The Mets have done an amazing job all year long. The mission's always simple. You go into each series, you want to win it. They haven't been a team that sweeps a bunch of series, but they also have been winning a lot more than they've been losing series. That has been their recipe. Buck Showalter, I think, probably really does enforce that that kind of day-to-day aspect of, hey, series at a time, series at a time, series at a time. I'm sure he'll have this team focus. You get Jeff McNeil back, likely get Starling Marte back in that lineup. Edwin Diaz is fresh to go for this series. Um, Adam Adovino also fresh as well, so your best two relievers are reared up and ready to fire. Uh, this is going to be, I believe, a nice little series for the Mets to close out the break here. And then you get to you know, take a step back and appreciate what the Mets just did in the first half once we get into next week. On the show tomorrow, I already mentioned it. Going to be talking a little bit of prospects, but this time it's going to be prospects that could be moved. Who's untouchable? Who is on the table? What the, kind of is the degree here of the type of assets the Mets have and what they can get for them? So, we're going to do all that stuff. I'll obviously, of course, recap the first game of this series against the Cubs. Make sure you tune in. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB Prospects, hosted by Lindsey Crosby. Locked on MLB Prospects is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball when it comes to the stars of tomorrow. You can follow Locked on MLB Prospects wherever you get podcasts.